Okay, so here we are. We are going to finish chapter three today. And guess why that's very exciting? Because then we're gonna be done talking about fasting. I cannot wait. <laughs> this has been quite the journey of fasting. So we have one more class. We're gonna we're gonna get it done today. Um, and just a heads up, as I was preparing today, it's like it, we go through this back and forth, like, you know, this is why you fast, right? For that extra gift of God. And these are how, however many fasts, you know, according to Kabbalah, this is how many fasts you do for this. And this is how many fasts you do for that. And then we say, well, you know what? Like during, like at our, in our day and age, we don't really um, fast, right? And then we go back and we say, but if you want to fast, this is how you could fast, but then we really shouldn't fast. But then if you, you know what I'm saying? So we're continuing this like back and forth kind of, you know, dialogue about fasting. Okay. So we are in that, that's, what's going to happen today. Um, we're going to uh, like further dissect, like how you, like, when should you fast? How should you fast? Why should you right? Like, and then we're going to wrap it up. At the end of the day, in conclusion, I'm going to say the conclusion first, just because we've already said it a bunch of times anyway. Nowadays, we don't fast, okay? Remember the message of the Rebbe that we did last week in our meditation, okay? That's, that's in the end, what we do, okay? But we're still going to go through this, like, little journey of, like, okay, we have a few more back and forth, a few more details to hash out. We actually will learn a few interesting things in, in connection to our service through this conversation, but then we're going to be done with fasting. And then we're going to go back to the important discussion of actually repentance, right? How do we repent? We got so sidetracked by atonement, right? And how does God give us atonement? And what if we want extra? And what do you know? So we're going to be wrapping that up and then going back to the real more practical issues at hand of like, how do we actually repent? Um, okay, so last week we ended off by saying that if you can't fast, right, you have a weak constitution or it's going to make things worse or for whatever reason, fasting is not for you. What did we say that we do instead? The dog Tzedakah, charity, right? And there's a um, certain amount of charity that you do in, you know, that kind of is the trade-off for the fasting. And what's, it makes sense, right? Because the only reason why we're fasting is because we can't bring a sacrifice. Remember, it all originates in the sacrifice. The sacrifice we can't do because we're not in the temple times. So we do fasting instead of sacrifice because it gives like part of our flesh and blood, right? And if you can't fast, you do tzedakah because tzedakah is also like your livelihood, right? It like comes out of your kishkas, you know? Um, um, Rabbi Miller in this, in the Practical Tanya book, he says that the dollar amount these days, I thought he had like a little side, star note, side note, and I'm going to see. He says nowadays a Penitential fast could be redeemed through donating around $7 to charity. 
my my guess is that it's seven dollars a day okay so if you're doing 85 if you have to do like 85 fasts or whatever that is you know whatever transgression you're trying to rectify that would be like seven times 85 or you know whatever um we're gonna get to um like how much sadaqa we're allowed to give in a minute okay but um it does matter that um, whether you're wealthy or you're poor or struggling, like it matters how much you give, right? If you are wealthy and you're giving, you know, $7 or 50 cents or whatever the equivalent is, then it doesn't, it's not, it's not significant, right? Cause it's not really hurting. It's not something to hurt you, but you're supposed to feel it, right? It's supposed to be a penance. So you're supposed to feel it. So it, it, it does actually matter what your income is and what your situation is that would, that will determine um, how much money you get. Now, b- back in the time where this was done a lot, I'm sure that there was guidance, right? A rabbi, or, you know, the leader or whatever would tell you, like, according to your means and according to your sin and according to this would give you guidance on, like, what you're supposed to do. Nowadays, tzedakah is something that we do do. Um, so it would also it would also be something that you would ask, like, how much tzedakah do I give if I want to um, get, you know, rid of any last remaining effects of a transgression that I did. What the Rebbe said last week, what we talked about was that really what we do today is to serve God with joy, right? And to get other people to serve God with joy. But there is still place for tzedakah. Tzedakah does have a really important place in our service, and we'll talk about that soon. But um, basically, So the reason that one would give charity instead of fasting is the suffering that you feel from relinquishing your hard-earned money, right? Just like you feel it's uncomfortable to fast, right? To not feed and nourish your body. It is quite uncomfortable to give over a large amount of money of your hard earned money, right? So that's the point. So that's why it matters your income, right? Because it's not universal. Like different amounts of money will have different effects on other people. And so it does matter. So the conclusion, according to all Hasidic leaders, past and present, is that fasting, even as a penance, or a gift is not accepted and can even be dangerous, okay? Because fasting doesn't always enhance your spiritual work, right? Um, Sometimes it can be really detrimental. We talked about it, I don't remember if it was last class or a few classes ago, that if you're going to fast and you become weak and you can't even go about your day-to-day life, that is counterproductive to what you're trying to accomplish. If you can't even do your regular service, then you're fasting. What, what, what are you accomplishing with your fasting, right? So 
Um, there's even there's even to say that sometimes not only can fasting cause physical damage, but it could also cause spiritual damage, right? It can also actually be less effective spiritually in your penance. Why? Because if you, um, sometimes if somebody would fast, just act, it's very an interesting like um, thought process that the Tanya has. Like if you, if somebody fasts, right? And becomes so absorbed in the fasting process, what, what could happen is that it might even distance you from the actual regret that you've had, that you had in the first place to fast. So can you imagine that happening, right? Like, let's say you, you transgressed, you feel really bad. You want to get closer to God. You want to give him a gift so you can like erase any of the, you want it to be exactly as it was before. So you spend all these days fasting. What are the chances are on day 30 or whatever day um, that you're still thinking about your sin? That you're still, th- that you're still having regret? That's idolatry. What? That's idolatry. What do you mean? Because you're thinking of yourself. You're thinking of your regrets and all that instead of just giving the gift to God and just fasting and be done with it. Well, the point of the fasting is to actually um, do penance, right? Right. So if the fasting takes you away from the the reason why you're doing it and you get distracted from the reason why you're doing it, it's not necessarily going to accomplish what you want it to accomplish, right? Because... Because there's a reason why you're fasting. No, so we're not supposed to dwell on re- on regret, right? That's the whole point of 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 returning is we're not supposed to dwell on the regret as part of our return process. There is, which we're going to learn later on, there is this idea of regret, and that is accepted now as part of our chuva process. The thing with fasting is you have to remember it's extra, right? If you're going to do something extra, then you got to do it right. And it's going to be hard, right? This is not something that you just do at a whim. And however I do it, it's better than nothing. No, right? Fasting, if you're going to do this extra huge gift for God and he's going to gift you back, right? Then the whole idea is that you're fasting for a reason. You're fasting because you transgressed something, right? So if you're not even thinking about the transgression while you're fasting because you're starving and you're suffering and you're so distracted by all the woes that you have you have now that you don't even remember or you're not even thinking about the actual sin that you are regretting, then you're not really doing what, what fasting is supposed to be doing. Does that make sense? Ish. Hold on, hold on to it. If at the end of the class, you still are struggling with this point, let me know, okay? Um, But let's see if if it gets kind of answered as we go along. Yeah? Yeah. So so this is where we're gonna go back and forth, right? So according to all Hasidic masters and leaders, we're not supposed to fast 
because it usually will do more harm than more harm than good physically or spiritually right so the the, the message is we don't really fast we do tzedakah but um the tanya wants to leave this little door open that says but if you are someone right who really 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 wants to um like really get close to Hashem, right? And he really desires that path. And he he will benefit from sacrificing this for God, right? He, he He's a, that type of person that can actually handle it and he can actually do it and he's gonna do it right. And he has all the right reasons and intentions. He could, he should do it, okay? Um, and- What, fast? Yeah. And this is for the man of, of spirit who longs for the closest with God, right? And he's a person who's capable and insists on being pushed in this way. For him, the altar of says he could do it, right? He could do it, um, but he should only do it once. He should do it once in a lifetime. He shouldn't do it all the time, okay? Um, and... So this is, this is, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. He should do it. He should do it once in a lifetime. What? One time fasting or one 250 times fasting? One, one, um, like round of fasting. Okay. Like one, right? Like he's doing it for a specific sin, like one round of fasting. So the, basically what we're saying is 95, I'm making this up but it's like an educated guess. 95% of humans, this isn't gonna work for, okay? The fasting thing, especially in our generation, it's not gonna work for, okay? What happens is, is when we fast, we, we, we don't usually benefit. We usually, it's usually counterproductive. We get distracted physically, we get distracted spiritually, and we have good intentions, but it doesn't really accomplish what we want to accomplish, so we shouldn't do it. Okay, we shouldn't do it. We should give tzedakah. There are exceptions to the rule where there is somebody who's very, very genuine about their relationship with God in this specific area. He, and he wants to be pushed and he can handle it. This person has permission to do, to fast, but not excessively. One round of fasting, he should try. See, you know? When and you say one round, what what does that mean? The round, one round, like it's like we said before, like if you forget, if you get angry, right? It's one hundred and fifty-two fasts. So okay, so one, one round, one hundred and fifty-two fasts. Yeah, yeah. Okay, as an example. Okay, you're muted, Barbara. Sorry. Um, last week uh, I asked you do you do this every day? And in towards the end of this chapter, it says, no, that it's, you I do it over a, life, All our over, yeah. over a lifetime. And it also explains that it's dawn to, dawn to dusk, basically. And you can do half days. Yes. Give it all away, Barbara. <laughs> and they suggest that you 
do it in the winter because the days are shorter. Exactly. So I was going to say, yep. right, we're coming up to it right now that Barbara had all these questions about fasting, right? Do you break your fast at night? And do you, can you, do you do it consecutively and all these things? And this chapter answers all that, all those questions, exactly what Barbara said. If you under, even if someone undertakes fasting and he can handle it and he's the right person for it, he's also allowed to make it easier by waiting until winter when the days are shorter, right? So this tells us that fasting is from dawn to, to nightfall, okay? So if you wait till winter and you um, fast from morning till night, the days are much shorter. So it's much easier, just like we know, like our winter fasts are much easier than our summer fasts, right? When a fast ends at 5.30 or 6 o'clock in the evening is much easier than when it ends at 9.30 or 10, right? So if you're, if you fall into the category of fasting, you could wait till winter, have shorter days, right? You could also do half days of fasting and then combine half days to make full days. I'm not going to like go, there's a lot of technical calculations of the fasting in this in this chapter i'm not going to go into all the calculations of how many years nine years it takes to do whatever how many years it takes a half day fast to get to your 152 fast whatever like we really don't need to know that we're not fasting we want to understand the concept we want to understand the idea we want to understand why it was done we want to understand why we don't do it today we want to understand what we can do instead but we don't need to know all the technicalities of um, how long it takes to get where, you know, all the fasting, but you, but basically what we now know is that obviously the fasting is during the day, not at night. You could find ways to make it easier. You could do fasting in the winter, not in the summer. So basically it doesn't have to be consecutive, right? That was Barbara's other question. Does it have to be 152 days in a row? Apparently it doesn't, because if you have, if you wait till winter, there's not necessarily enough days in the winter to, to finish your course, right? So you wait till the next winter, or you could do half day fast and combine them to make full days, whatever. There's, a, there's ways to make it easier and not so difficult, okay? So the Talmud, so the Talmud says that a fast does not even have to span an entire day. It could, you can even fast for just a few hours and kind of add it up. Okay, so the Tanya does not specify, um, he, he does not specify here in the Tanya who needs to fast and for what transgression, okay, because it really depends on the person. So we're not really going to get like clear, like this kind of person should fast and he should fast for this amount of days for these kinds of transgressions because it really depends on the person, okay? And the, a person who cannot bear the bitterness he feels in his heart from the transgression that he did, and he yearned so deeply to regain the purity of his soul before he sinned. And if he fasts, he would not suffer more than he would if he were Oh, sorry. If he did not fast, he would suffer more than if he did fast. 
That's the type of person that fasting is for. If this person would suffer more from not fasting, from the bitterness and from the trauma of his soul not being as it was before, that's who fasting is for. Okay. Now, um, I want to go back to something that we discussed last class. Um, which was the, well, it was, I don't know if it was last class or a few classes ago. Um, then it's this kind and I just, this is a little bit of a tangent, but I feel like this tangent is actually very valuable. Remember we said, um, about anger, right? That anger is 152 fast. It's actually more fast than forgetting to pray. And I actually, we were discussing anger in my Sunday Tanya class, which is the first book of Tanya for the second time. And it really all ties in together. Um, and I had to, I had to do a little bit of research because I was almost sure, but then I started to second guess myself. Anger is not one of the 365 prohibitions. Okay. Which I was almost sure that I knew, but then when we are talking about transgressions and we keep bringing in anger, I was starting to be like, wait a second, like what's going on here? So anger is not an official sin, okay? It's not on the, the list of 365 transgressions. So we might ask, this is not in the Tanya, this is from my research, okay? It's, but it's very applicable. We might ask ourselves, why do we keep bringing in anger and why are there so many fasts for anger if it's not even an official transgression if you get angry there is no repentance there's no official repentance involved when you get angry if you get angry and it leads you to do something right then you repent for that but there's no official chuva that you do for anger so what's the fat why what's the fasting situation how come we we're mentioning fasting and this is what i really want to bring home with you because for me it was like an aha moment i was discussing it with my husband at dinner time and i'm like okay like this makes sense he's like remember fat where does the source of fasting come from the kabbalah okay fasting is not either anywhere in halacha Fasting is an extra thing that we're doing for our soul, right? So because this is an esoteric thing, because it's Kabbalah, right? So it actually isn't really in connection to actual sins. It's whatever separates you from God. And we know that anger, where does anger come from? What's the source of anger? Ego, right? Ego. What happens when we have too much ego? There's no room for God, right? So we're, 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 we're uh, allowing this reality of separateness from God because of our ego. Now, the reason why, so our emotions in our relationship with God are foundations, okay? They are the catalyst for whether we do good or we do bad. So bittle, right? Self-nullification, that's also not a mitzvah. It's not a mitzvah to be bittle. It's not a mitzvah to be humble for God. But being humble to God brings you to serve him, right? It's not a sin to be angry, 
But being angry brings you into a mindset of ego and autonomy and everything, me, 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 right? And that brings you to sin. So what the, and why does Chassidus and Tanya talk so much about emotion and, and, and love and, and fear and on angers? Because emotions is what builds our connection to Hashem. So in the first part of Tanya, if you remember, how much time did we spend on meditation? And meditating for positive emotions for God. Most of the time, right? Is meditating a mitzvah? No. Meditating is not a mitzvah. It's not one of the it's not one of the 248 positive commandments. Meditation is what brings you to do the mitzvah. It's your foundation. Okay? So you can't, you're not, you're not transgressing when you're angry, um, but but you are putting yourself in a situation where if you're angry, you're probably going to end up doing something that will be a sin, right? You're going to talk Lashon Hara. You're going to, you know, you're going, you know, there's a lot of things that happen from anger that are sinful. So as, so as why is it such a big deal when we talk about fast? Why does anger give you so many fasts? Because the whole fasting idea is also not a mitzvah or a, it's not a halacha. It's about this extra special unity with God. So if you're going to affect your foundation, right, it's going to take a, a lot of fasting to repair that. So I, this is not actually in the chapter this week, but it's like, this for me was a very big aha moment because we keep, you know, we have to be able to, to differentiate between actual transgressions and foundational, you know, um, behaviors, right? That we want to have, but it's this is where we can walk into a trap when we think something's a sin and it's not, or we we don't understand like the differentiation between the two things. So here, the Tanya refers to a situation where you have um, you're doubtful whether you were sinful, right? So for example, becoming angry, right? You don't know whether that led you to a sin or not. So um, there are times when anger actually is kosher, right? There are times when anger actually leads you to an act of righteous indignation, right? If you see someone doing something wrong or you see uh, a group of people or being wronged or you see something wrong, if anger brings you to righteous indignation to act on their behalf, not in anger, you can't act out of anger, but if anger is the catalyst for you to bring change into something that you see, that's positive anger. You're not fasting for that kind of anger, right? But you're fasting for the kind of anger that was, you know, was ego, you know, was blocking you from serving God or treating people with, with respect or, you know, so it's up to the person to know whether their anger is worthy of the fasting or not. Right. So the time, so the, so we have a question, right? So how do you know if you have sinned or not? How do you know? Right. And the Tanya answers, which is so profound and so simple. It's your heart knows your heart knows right? Don't talk to me a Chinese when you're like, I don't know if I 
your heart knows, right? Block out the noise, be honest with yourself. Your heart knows whether that was something that led you to positivity or something that led you to astray, right? And, and the Tanya, the Altarebbe is what he's saying is, is, is he, he trusts us, right? Like, and Hashem trusts us, right? Like there's a lot of trust in that saying like, you will, you will know if you are honest with yourself, you will know, you will know. Um, so that's the, di di that's the digression about anger, because we brought it, even in this chapter, we brought up anger. It says, if you, um, got angry, right? And it was a negative anger and you have to fast 151 times for getting angry. Let's say he gets, this person gets angry twice, right? He has hardly any days of the year left to eat. So that is why this is where the charity comes in. This is when it's like, it's not really physically practical or possible to keep fasting for the sins that we're doing. Okay. So even if you, even if you're the type of person that could really handle it one time, and then what happens the other times that you sin, right? You, you're going to end up having to use charity because you cannot keep up with that amount of fasting. Serve God with joy. Remember, you want to serve God with joy. You are not serving God with joy if you're fasting three quarters of the year. Yeah. Are there sins that uh, that you can fast only like one day? So I don't know. Or they I do all know. have I... rounds of 84 and 152 fasts. <laughs> can you so fast that... one time, one day for a sin that you know was a sin, but you don't know? Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. A million so, I mean, I, I feel like that's a really good question. I, I, I can't remember. The Tanya might address it at the end of the chapter, but I'm, I, I don't remember. But what I do want to say is that, first of all, the Arizal is the one that lists all the fasts for whatever sin. So I don't, we only bring a few examples in the Tanya. But I want to say, I want to say that Yom Kippur, this is not, this for sure isn't in the Tanya. This is just my brain thinking. Um, but Yom Kippur is the day that we fast for atonement for all the sins that we did, right? So, and, 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 even, and even that one day that we have to fast, it's really hard to stay focused sometimes, right? It's hard, we get distracted and we're hungry and we're cranky and whatever. So can you imagine if we had to do more than one day? But so I do want to say that Yom Kippur is a very big part of our, our, our atonement and our um, repentance. Repent, thank you. Repentance process. Um, like we talked about in the first chapter, that a lot of our sins, we start the process throughout the year and the process is finished on Yom Kippur, which includes fasting, right? That is that day. If you want to fast a day for your sins, you, we have it built in. We yeah, but that's, but that's one day for the whole world. I mean, uh, it's, it's not a gift for God. Right. Well, remember we said about Yom Kippur that it is like this crazy phenomenon because it's like this, this like um, 
what is the word we use? It's like time warp, right? Like how it, what happens on Yom Kippur is that it almost is like that time didn't exist and it takes you back to how you were before, right? It, it has this whole kind of crazy scenario of like supernatural. So it is, it is, has these qualities of almost like this gift from God. Now, if you want to say like, okay, like you, 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 you've experienced something that you, that felt that it really disconnected you from Hashem, right? Something happened. You did something, you experienced something that you, you felt within you a very big disconnection. And, um, you really want to repair that. And you give the tzedakah and you're trying to serve Hashem with joy and you still feel like it's lacking. I don't know if you would go to your rabbi, not just any rabbi, but let's say like a rab, like a rabbi who actually can, you know, interpret halacha. If he would tell you like maybe fasting one day for, for your, that would make you feel like you have done everything you can. I'm not sure that that's off the table. I'm not sure that that's off the table. I, I don't, I wouldn't be the one to, you know, I'm not giving you permission to do that. I'm not the one that's going to say, yeah, yeah, go do it. I think it needs further investigation and it needs to be from an authentic place, right? Like so many times we think it's for God, or we think it's a holy thing, but you peel away the layers and there's stuff there, right? That's distracting. So if you, if you're right, your heart knows, right? If you're really true and honest with yourself and you feel like the fasting is going to really take away that last little bit, that's feels that your, your connection is stuck. Maybe, maybe, Maybe that one day of fasting, it's almost like a token because you're not going to be doing 152 days. You're not going to be doing, you know, all, all the, the, the exact amount of days, but maybe that one day of fasting is enough for you to feel like you're starting fresh. So I don't know. I don't know if that's an option. Maybe this time will tell us, I don't, maybe further on. I don't know, but we have a, what, what the, what our rabbi tells us and what even the altar rabbi tells us is that tzedakah really should take that place. The right amounts of tzedakah. I feel like if you're not feeling it in your tzedakah, you need to give more, right? Um, so tzedakah really takes that place. And especially in our, our generation, it's that serving Hashem the joy. And I want to say, and I want to say, because I've experienced this myself, Sometimes serving Hashem with joy is a very big challenge, okay? And it's not easy. And it's a huge sacrifice. And I feel it because sometimes, let me, I'll give you an example. And I'll give you an example from my life. You are running a Chabad house. You have a lot of children. You're preparing for Yantif. You're exhausted. You're worn out. Your kids are struggling. You're putting out meal after meal after meal after meal. And, you and to do it with joy, I'm telling you it's a challenge. And that's where our service is, right? To be able to 
be focused enough and to be dedicated enough to say, no matter how hard this is, I'm going to serve Hashem joy on Simcha's Torah, on Simcha's Torah, which is the ninth, eighth or ninth day of nonstop holidays. Never, of, and never mind, it's really a month long of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkish, Minatara, Simchas Torah. And then you have to dance. It's the hardest holiday for me. Hardest holiday for me. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I'm not in the mood. Our community in Bozeman is also worn out. They're like, what's Simchas Torah? What do you want from us? Right? Like, it's not even a very known holiday. And you have to work up the energy and the the joy and dance with the Torah, it's a challenge. It's really rough. It is. It's a challenge, right? So sometimes we can do the thing, right? I'm serving God. I'm keeping the, the holiday. And not only am I keeping the holiday, I'm putting out the food and I'm serving and I'm taking care of my family. But you also want me to smile? Like, what? Right? And that sometimes is the cherry on top. And my mother always, before the holiday, she always blesses us because we're all over the world doing what, you know, we grew up doing and she knows how, how hard it is too. And she always says, I bless you to have a joyous holiday because that's where it's at, right? That little piece, like serving Hashem with joy, that is sometimes the biggest sacrifice, but that's the point. God doesn't want our grumpy service. I mean, he wants it. He'll take it, right? It's better than nothing. But it's kind of like, it's like when my kids, like I'll ask them to set the table and they're like, boom, I'll set the table and they're throwing plates. I'm like, no, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. I'll do it myself. I don't want your negative grumpy energy. It literally just happened today. I asked one of my kids to clear the table from dinner. I don't want to clear the table. I'm like, hey. Don't clear the table. Don't clear. I don't, I don't want it. Right? So think about it. Like God asks of us to do these things. He wants to feel the connection. He wants us to do it with joy. And when we come in and we're like, fine, I'll hop and I'll pop and I'll say the prayers and I'll dance the Torah. He's kind of like, eh, do I really want it? Not so much. Right? I'll take it because I get it that it's hard for you and you're doing it anyway. So there's a value in that. But it's it's uncomfortable. Right? Does it make us feel good when the when we ask someone to do something for us and they throw it in our face like with negativity? It doesn't feel good, right? So it doesn't that feel good for God. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't feel good for God. Just like it doesn't feel good for me when my when I when I ask my kids to do something and they'll do it, but they'll do it like it's the worst thing in the world. Yeah, it doesn't make me feel good. I'm like, forget mm -hmm. it. You know, I'm not God, so I'm not accepting it anyway. I'm like, no, thank you grumpy service i don't want it right god yeah. is kinder he takes our service he takes our grumpy service because he knows that we're trying our best and we're doing what we can but is that the kind of relationship we want with him to just fine because you said so so back to the point is that we think oh giving charity or oh serving god with joy is a cop out from fasting but not really not if we're really doing it right, it's hard. And it's a sacrifice sometimes. I asked you a couple of questions last class and you, you wrote them down and you said, that's a very good question. I'm gonna 
try to find out. It wasn't about the, it wasn't about the fasting. I don't remember. Uh, was, well, I thought it was about the fasting. If you're allowed to fast on Shabbos, if it's you're allowed to fast at night, that wasn't the questions. Oh, uh, maybe. I think that was, uh, that's the questions I had written down. If I'm missing something, let me know. But that's what I had from last class. And what, what was the answer? The, you said the, we're allowed only fast during the day. Okay. So that's not on Shabbos. And not on Shabbos. And not on Shabbos. Okay. Not on Shabbos. We only fast during the day. And not only that, you could also do half days. You could do winter days, right? There's ways to make this, the fasting process easier if you're doing, if you're doing. Was, it, was there not another question that I asked you that you really thought like you, you hadn't, you didn't know. And you thought it was really a good question. I do not remember. <laughs> I, I asked you. I don't remember. I don't have anything else written down, but it could be that I forgot. Some oh, you, you know what? I would have remembered had I, usually I will uh, listen to the video. The recording. So the if recording. you remember. This time I did not. To, okay. This week I did not. So, but I'll find out. And, okay. and if, if you did you remember, answer it. Yeah. yeah. You text me, message me, or yeah. let me know. And I can, I can get it gotcha. for next week. Okay. okay, let me know if there's something or if it comes up for you, just let me know. Okay. Um, so, so back to we're going to reiterate, if a person um, cannot fast without injuring himself, all fasts can be redeemed through charitable donations. Okay, now this is very, very fascinating. Okay, so the next, we're gonna, the, the last section, which we're gonna end off with is the charity, okay? This, just talking a little bit more about the charity. So how much charity, right? And how much do we give? And so there are certain amounts, but there is this concept in the Gemara that tells us that we're supposed to give, not in connection to repentance, but just as Jews, we're supposed to give 10% of our income to charity, but... It also says that we're not supposed to give more than 20%. Okay. Why? Because, and this is all, this is unique to Judaism. There's no other religion that's going to tell you there's, you, you're giving too much, right? It's because Judaism very much values taking care of yourself and being independent and being able to like sustain yourself. If you end up being so charitable that you give too much of your income away, then you become a burden on the community. And then all of a sudden people are having to support you and that's counterproductive. So it's very important in our day-to-day -day life, not in connection to fasting, not in connection to chuva, but when we're just dealing with our income, we give, ten, we give at least 10%, not more than 20. So it's a lot of people, like I think, and um, like the rubber would encourage to give up to 20%, right? Because to give, you know, to not just do the bare minimum, which is 10%, but to give up to 20%, but not to give more. So, so the question is, in relation to fasting, in relation to atonement, this, if you're sinning, right, and your fasting days are building up and that you're giving the equivalent to that in charity, that can end up being a lot of money and way more than 20% of your income. So the question is, is there a cap to your charity in connection to your atonement? And the answer, which is very fascinating, is no. 
No. If you're giving charity as an atonement or, or for your spiritual health, there's no cap. Why? Because, and this was so fascinating to me, um, because redeeming the fasts, basically doing that spiritual work is no less important than healing the body or any other personal need, right? Um, in which case there is no restriction on how much you spend. Basically, if you were physically ill, right? And you needed to go to doctors and you um, needed to spend money on health, you wouldn't put a cap on how much money you spend on your physical health, right? Even let's say, take it for example, for me, like this is a really relevant example, not even if you're sick, but let's say you're very into healthy living and alternative and vitamins and this and that, it costs a lot of money, right? There's no cap on how much you would spend to enhance your physical, you know, well-being, right? You would spend money. So for, so for your spiritual health, there it's also no cap right? Just like you would spend money on your physical health, this is considered your spiritual health. When you're giving money as atonement or as your spiritual connection to Hashem, there is no um, cap to that. So you so, uh, Hobby, This is Marjorie. So yeah. um, is that, um, 10% is that before or after taxes? When we- uh, uh, um, My sir, like the 10% of money that we give, um, I believe it's after taxes. I will find that out for you, but I think it's the income that you bring home, you give 10% of. But I will ask my husband. He knows this stuff. <laughs> he knows how much money he can ask from people. <laughs> um, when, you say, when you say there's no cap uh, for that, um, for, for a Tony, right? you can give as as little as you want or as much as you want is that well is I, that I think this is in connection to if, it, if if let's say your sins add up and the tzedakah that you need to give is more than 20 percent then you you give you don't have you don't stop at 20 percent in this area oh that's what you mean by there's no cap yeah like okay. normally for tzedakah if it was if you're do if it's tzedakah just for you know supporting the poor and and being a good human and whatever then there's a cap to that 20% is the cap but if the tzedakah is because of your spiritual health or atonement or atonement you don't you don't stop at 20% if you are if the amount that you need to give exceeds your 20 20% of your income you don't stop at 20% because it's your spiritual health. Just like you wouldn't not go to the doc. Like, just like you wouldn't say, no, sorry, I'm not going to get that surgery. That's going to save my life because it's more than 20% of my income. You wouldn't do that for your physical health. The same, you wouldn't do that for your spiritual. I health. mean, what if you're poor? What if you are literally poor? You so know? then that goes back to what we said in the beginning. Then the rabbi tells you, how much money you need to give for your sit for your atonement according to your income but it's probably going to be more than 20 percent. if you have a whole list of sins that you want to atone for it will not be the same as a rich person's tzedakah or a rich person's charity but it is 
going to probably be more than your than 20%, but it the so so what if it dries you out and you can't really live anymore because you can't afford anything because you're giving it all to so I that's why I feel like that's why I feel like the 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 rabbi who's telling you how much to give is going to have to take that into consideration. So maybe he's not going to stop at 20%, but he's not going to clean clean you out because you still have to function and live in this world, right? And that's why charity also like so charity you will get the sum, like you will get, like, I, like that's what I want to say, like in, in our day-to-day, like in our physical times right now, like I don't necessarily think that there's like exact amounts for charity for certain sins. Like, oh, if you didn't light Shabbos candles, this is how much money you give. Like, I don't think that's how it works nowadays. I think it's, if you are moved, remember, because this is extra, you have, even the, tra- this is extra, this is not part of your atonement process. It's not halacha. Not halacha. This is, remember, charities instead of fasting, which is instead of sacrifice, which is not part of your repentance. This is, this is still falls under the category of extra. You don't have to, right? So if you want to, right, give extra tzedakah for the spiritual nourishment of your soul, then I think nowadays it's kind of like give tzedakah, right? Like there's no real amount. It's about what you feel is going to do that for you. And especially nowadays, which even tzedakah isn't really the only way we do that. It's serving Hashem with joy. That's our generation's extra service. They're all difficult. (laughs) They're all difficult. It's more difficult. Like I'd rather give charity than be happy. <laughs> because even serving him with joy is is a challenge. Oh yes, not no, all the time, it's... right? But sometimes yeah. when you are down in the dumps and you are struggling, the hardest thing. It's much easier to give charity when you're depressed or you know having a really hard time or overwhelmed. It's much easier to give charity than to be happy. Much easier. Right. I mean, at least for me, you can be both. You can, you could do both a hundred percent. I have enough to give charity and not, you know, and not be so joyful because you're struggling so much. It could be very, very challenging. Yeah. It it says that somewhere in the text, it said that you shouldn't give so much charity for any that you end up needing it yourself as you were saying it before yeah that's why there's the cap of 20 percent. if it's just charity like giving charity for the mitzvah of charity not anything to do with your atonement then you're not allowed to give more than 20 percent because you're not supposed to become a burden on society because you're being extra kind like right right but but still um if you have to even if you're doing extra you can't exceed yes you can you have to you have to allow to take care of yourself and your family you can't make yourself broke although in the times of the Alter Rebbe there were that's what they did right they literally slept on a bench in the synagogue right if they were on that 
pious, whatever, whatever they were doing back then. But that is not the times that we live in right now. Um, and it's very important to end off saying that because when we get into these technical conversations, we keep forgetting that this is extra, right? That this is not part of halacha. This is not part of the repentance process. So even the talk of charity, it's not required for your repentance. It is a substitute for the fasting, which is an extra. Okay. So next class, we're going to go back to talking about actual repentance. So I don't know exactly what we're going to talk about because I've never learned it before, but that's, that's the, the preview that the Tanya gives is like, okay, we are now wrapping up the discussion for fasting and we're now um, going on to actual repentance, which will be next class. I do have a question before we go to meditation. Next weekend is Memorial Day weekend. I'm okay with giving class. Are you guys gonna, like, are you guys busy? Are you guys gonna show up? Is it better to skip a week? What are your thoughts? I'm okay with meeting. Okay, so great. So we're, we'll be That's on. That's me. <laughs> yeah, well, everyone here who, who comes comes live is good. So then we can continue. Whoever watches the recording can watch the recording whenever they want. Um, so, okay, good. So we'll be on for next week. Um, we have finished chapter three, guys. Bravo, bravo. Okay, amazing. Let's do a meditation. We're right on time. I'm so glad that we got to finish without too much pressure. Um, okay. Okay. Take a deep breath. Roll your neck, move your body, shrug your shoulder, roll your shoulders. Take a second to check in with your body, with your mind. Where are you right now? How does your body feel? How does your mind feel? Observe, right? We're not changing anything yet. We just, so important in order to even start to affect change, we have to be able to recognize where we are right now. So that's the first thing that we're gonna do. Just close your eyes and just do some reflection on where you are physically and emotionally. If you're feeling any tension or stress or discomfort, in any part of your body, notice it, recognize it. And when we do some of our breath work, maybe focus some of that intention into that area in your body and breathe through that area and see if that affects any change. So we're gonna do our four rounds of breath, what we do every class. We're gonna inhale. When we inhale, we're going to open ourselves up to receive. And when we exhale, we're going to ground ourselves and let go of anything that is not serving us or is bringing us down, okay? My favorite pace is a four count, inhale, exhale. You can do longer, you can do shorter whatever's up to you, but I will kind of keep it at a steady pace. We'll do four rounds and we'll go from there. So inhale, 
exhale. Let your body go and melt on your exhale. Inhale. Exhale. Inhale. Exhale. Last one. Inhale. Open yourself up. Receive all the positive love that's around you. And exhale. Let your breath go while we focus on some concepts. So it's forbidden to hurt your body through fasting. So nowadays, a penitential fast can be redeemed through donating to charity. Okay, so that's the, the, the theme that we keep going to, right? That charity is instead of fasting. There is no limit to the charity you can give to redeem penitential fasts. So unlike charity that we give for the sake of charity, where we have to have a cap, um, regarding our spiritual health, we treat it very much like our physical health. So we would spend whatever it needs to make sure we're physically healthy. We spend whatever it needs to make sure that we're spiritually healthy. Remember that the fasting, the charity, the tzedakah is all extra. It's a great thing. Charity is always a great thing to do, but it is not required for your repentance process. Sit with these thoughts for a minute. What have you learned from this section of fasting? I know it was technical. It was sometimes tedious and not always so practical, but learning always opens up our mind in different ways we've never expected. Think about these last few weeks and what we talked about with fasting, with charity, um, with what is a sin, what's not a sin, what's extra, what's not extra. Did it enhance your service in any way? There's no right or wrong answer. And I don't have, you don't have to tell me. It's for you, for your heart. Bring your attention back to your breath. We'll do two more nice inhale, exhales. Inhale. And even add a little breath hold at the top. Exhale. Breath hold. Inhale. Hold. Exhale. And hold. Okay, let your breath resort to its natural rhythm. Let it go. 
And you can start to become more aware of your surroundings, any sensations in your body. Wiggle your fingers and toes, roll your neck, and gently open your eyes when you're ready. Okay, guys, you're rock stars. Any questions, comments, thoughts, any questions remembered from last time? You're the rock star. <laughs> we're, we're all rock stars together. Um, okay, amazing. I'm really excited. I mean, I shouldn't say that before I know what the chapter is, but I'm kind of really excited to move on from the fasting and see what, you know, what the Alterba has in store next for us. And we'll be here next week. And that will be after Shavuos, if you can even imagine. So right. have a beautiful holiday. Have a beautiful, joyous, joyous holiday. Holiday. Yes. Even if you're tired and cranky, try to bring a smile to your face. And that will score you a lot of points with God. <laughs> We're yes. having an ice cream party. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's hard to be mad when you're eating ice cream. It's really right. Right. Everyone should have ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> We're having a dairy buffet. Yeah. Yummy. Yummy, yummy. Yeah. Just press the record.